Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hello, everyone. How is everybody today? All right. We had an incredible there. All right. Where'd the grand dude go? I got to say, I've been trying to get people call me a grand dude for a long time. I just get normal dude. So I'm Pastor John, if you're visiting or haven't had a chance to meet you yet. And during the season at Stonebridge here, we've been going through 1 Peter. And we've been going pretty briefly through 1 Peter, just taking one section out of a chapter, only doing five weeks in 1 Peter. And then next week, we're going to do 2 Peter very briefly also. But I do want to encourage you to, if you get a chance, read the whole book. Sit down and read 1 Peter. Reflect on it. Ask some friends questions. Talk about this book because there's so much good stuff in here that we haven't been able to get to during this sermon series. There's only so much you could do in a worship service. So I do encourage you to be studying it on your own, reading it on, on your own, um, and reading it with friends and in a small group or a growth group or some other setting where you can ask those questions and talk about it because there is so much in this book that we just can't get to. But Peter is writing to these Christians who are experiencing suffering, experiencing persecution, and he's trying to encourage them. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, pretty much reading the, the final chapter here. And I invite you to hear God's word. Peter writes, Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the lion prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for these words from Peter. We thank you for the encouragement that they were when he wrote them. We thank you for the encouragement that they can be today. And we ask that these words would strengthen us, that these words would establish us, that these words would root us in you. Help us to be concerned with you, 
Help our concerns be directed towards you. Help us to be aware of you and your work in the world and help that be what we are responding to. So open up your scriptures to us now. Speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that I find fascinating about biblical instructions, those portions of the Bible where it's telling you to do something or to not do something, is that not only do you get a glimpse into how to live life, but if you look closely and you reflect on it, you can get a glimpse into what the world of the Bible was like. You can look past the commandments a little bit and see what this world was. And in many ways, oftentimes you look at it and you realize just how different the world of the Bible was from our own today. The technology was different. The cultures were different. For example, there's one section in the Bible where God is giving the law, where all of a sudden God starts telling Israelites how to construct their roofs. Because apparently people are falling off of roofs so often that they need some instructions on how to make their roofs built in a way that people won't fall to the ground and get hurt. It sounds a little odd because we don't really follow those instructions on how to construct roofs in our own world. But when you go back and look at it, people in the ancient world oftentimes would spend time on their roofs socializing. And you get a glimpse into how they viewed common space and how they would gather together, and where they would gather together. And as they're gathering together, people would then fall off the roofs. So they had to build them differently so that when you're having a little party, you don't have guests dying. But it gives you a little glimpse into how they interacted. There's another section where God commands the Israelites to stop eating owls. Has anybody here ever eaten an owl? I'm, I'm curious. I don't think so. I thought there'd be at least one. I'm a little disappointed. I thought it'd be like Johnny or something. You know? He's from Boston. I don't know what they do over there. But I've never eaten an owl. I don't think anybody here has ever eaten an owl unless somebody's not confessing to it. But in the ancient world, in Israel, apparently so many people were eating owls that this was a problem that God had to say, stop it. I don't know why, but you realize in those moments just how different the world of the Bible actually is from the world today in so many ways. But then, every once in a while, you get these moments where you get a glimpse into the world of the Bible and you realize the technology may have been different, the culture may have been different, but the people aren't always that different. That over thousands of years, human beings are human beings. It's like if you read those celebrity magazines, which I don't, but some of you I'm sure do, and they have those sections that's like, just like us, where they have a celebrity and, you know, they're eating food, and their food's all over their shirt. They're a slob. It's like, it's just like you. That's trying to build a connection there, helping you realize that you're like somebody who's supposed to be different than you. And in the Bible, I think we get that in certain moments when we're reading these biblical instructions. And one of those, I think, is 1 Peter 5, 7, where he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I don't know what you think when you first hear that or you first read that, but my first thought is, they felt anxiety also back then. The people in the Bible also felt anxiety. In that way, they are just like us. Now, whenever we're talking about anxiety, I want to be very, very careful because the definition of that word has shifted over the last few decades. The way I'm using it here, anxiety, and the way Peter is using it too, 
It is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. I'm going to read that one more time. Anxiety is defined as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And with that definition of anxiety, one thing we should acknowledge is we all feel that at times. We all have moments of anxiety, moments of worry, nervousness, or unease about something that is uncertain because there is so much uncertainty in the world. And you try to plan for it, you try to figure it out, but you can't. And you feel that nervousness rise up. The Mayo Clinic writes that experiencing occasional anxiety is a normal part of life. So if you have anxiety, there's nothing wrong with you. It is normal. To feel those feelings of nervousness, that is very, very normal. But where the word has shifted a little bit is that sometimes when we talk about anxiety, what we're actually talking about is an anxiety disorder. And that's where that feeling of nervousness or unease or worry, it begins to take over. It begins to cloud your judgment. It begins to infect all of your other feelings, all of your other thoughts. You fixate on it. Sometimes it manifests in what are called panic attacks. Anxiety disorder, and the disorders related to anxiety, that's different than what Peter is talking about here. And I say that as somebody who I have anxiety disorder. I've been in and out of therapy for over two decades now. I think therapy is great. And what I want to say is if you feel like you have anxiety that is taking over, if your anxiety is clouding your judgment, if it's taking over your other feelings and thoughts, go get some help from somebody who understands those patterns better, who understands those responses and feelings better. There's medications that can help. There's strategies, tactics that can help. There is help out there, and it's much more complicated than I think what Peter is talking about here. So I want to draw that distinction. In fact, to make that clear as also, I just want to say I'm going to just use the word concern for what Peter is talking about here. A concern is something that makes you anxious. So it's very similar but I think it helps us move away from that psychological concept of an anxiety disorder. So these concerns, though, though it is different than an anxiety disorder, those concerns are still real. And every single one of us experiences those moments of unease or worry about things that might, may or may not happen. And with concerns, they're very important because what it is that you are concerned about it affects how you behave. The concerns that you're responding to, it affects how you're going to respond. What you think is of a concern, it dictates how you're going to move forward. And reflecting on those concerns, reflecting on what causes our concern, what it is that gives us those feelings, the cause for our concerns, I think that's critical in understanding what Peter is talking about here. Now, in Peter's world, what is causing their concern, the, the cause of the concern for them, I think at its root, it's this suffering and persecution that they're experiencing. They've committed to this way of life of following Jesus. And because of that, they're being persecuted. They're refusing to worship idols. They're not participating in the idolatry in the Roman Empire. And that puts a target on their backs. They're loving enemies. They're loving the people that the world says not to love. The early Christians were known for treating slaves the same as free people, for treating women the same as men, 
Those were things that were not supposed to happen in the Roman Empire. There was a strict hierarchy, and they were upending that by treating everybody as made in the image of God. And it was putting a target on their backs. They were committed to this way of life that was leading to persecution and suffering. And in the midst of being persecuted, it's easy to start focusing on the person who is persecuting you, to become concerned with them, and to want to fight back, to want to defend yourself, to feel vulnerable and feel like you have to protect yourself. That's part of what the concern is that Peter is addressing with them. But Peter doesn't make it easier for them. He doesn't tell them, go ahead and fight back. Go ahead and protect yourselves. Instead, what Peter is doing in this section, he's trying to help them embrace humility. They have this persecution happening, this suffering happening, and he wants them to be humble. Humble for us is an easy concept for us to embrace because we've had 2,000 years reflecting on the teaching in the Bible, lifting hum humility up as a positive trait. But in the ancient world, when Peter was writing this, humility was strictly negative. Humility was a word that was reserved for slaves. It was reserved for unworthy free people who might as well have been slaves in that society. You were the lowliest of low when you were humble. So Peter, as he's trying to help them understand how to interact, he's counseling humility for the elders who are in the faith, for the newer people who are in the faith. For the church, he wants them to be humble, to embrace their lowly stature, to not try to defend themselves in the face of persecution, to not respond with evil for evil, but instead to be willing to suffer, to respond to evil with good, with care, with love. It's a challenge he's given them. They might feel some concerns here. They might be concerned about this persecution, and Peter is saying, don't be concerned with that. And I think what he's trying to do is shift their concerns so that rather than being concerned with the people who are persecuting them, they're more concerned with God, with what God wants of them, with the life God is calling them to, with the potential to be a witness in the world to let others know of what God is doing. He's trying to shift their concern there. And then he goes on to say this thing about the devil roaring around or walking around roaring like a lion. I got to be honest, he tell people to get rid of their anxieties. That image isn't going to help, okay? It's not the most helpful thing there. It's like Peter's kind of, you know, digging the knife in a little more there, letting them know just how much risk there actually is. He's not telling them there's no risk in this way of life of following Jesus. He's telling them there is risk here. So that's, I think, what is causing their concern. That's the setting that they're living in. But I think a question for each of us is, what causes your concern? What is it that you are concerned with? We all walked into this room with things that we're holding on to, things that we are concerned by. I don't know what it is for you, but there are very real concerns in this world. There are things that are worthy of being concerned about. I'm not going to go through the list here because you don't need me to do what Peter did and dig the knife in even more, but you know what they are. But I also have to say it's even more challenging, I think, in our world today because there's so many manufactured concerns as well. We have constant input telling us of different things we should be worried about, things we should be concerned about, things we should feel nervous about. 
about a couple decades ago when I was in college, I had a professor who encouraged all of us as students to just stop watching cable news, to, to not watch cable news. He helped us understand that the way news structures things, the way television structures things, it's just there to make you concerned, to increase your anxiety, and it's a business model so you keep coming back. So I took his advice, and I think I was better for it. I don't know because I didn't watch cable news after that, but I think my life was better for it. But then all of a sudden, the internet started growing, and then all of a sudden, you have YouTube, and you have a new business model trying to make you worried, and you have Facebook, and new business model trying to make you worried, and you have Twitter, and you have social media, and everything is trying to make us concerned and worried. And it's hard to know what is real and what is manufactured. And I wish I had a simple answer for you all about how to discern that. I don't. I think it takes a lot of diligence. I think it takes a healthy level of skepticism. I think it takes not just trusting a source because it's telling you what you want to hear, not just trusting something because it's making your life a little easier in your own head. I think some advice I would give is when you're reading something, try to look for a verifiable fact in it, not just an opinion, not just something somebody said, but look for a verifiable fact. And also try to, I don't know, maybe figure out, does this help you do what Jesus said? to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love your neighbor as yourself? Does what you're listening to, reading, does it help you love your enemy as your neighbor? I don't have clear answers for how to navigate what is a real concern and what isn't. I just know that we should be asking those questions. We should be wading through that together. But then I also know that we have to remember Peter's ultimate point here. He ends this section reminding us that even though the devil might be roaring around like a lion, roaring around, I'm sorry, walking around roaring like a lion, God is still more powerful. The last line there was, to him be the power forever and ever. God is more in control. God knows what the real concerns are in this world. And God is bigger than whatever concerns you might have walked into this room with. God truly is in control. But Peter takes it a step farther as well. I think it's easy for us to talk about God being sovereign, God being in control, God having everything figured out, God having a plan. It's easy for us to understand that, to talk about that. But Peter has that second half of his line here. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Look, God being all-powerful is not that comforting if God isn't also loving. It's God caring for you that makes God being powerful a deep source of comfort. Understanding that, embracing that, recognizing that while God is all-powerful, what is actually displayed to us in Jesus is God's love and God's willingness to suffer on our behalf. Whatever concerns you have, whatever suffering you might experience, God is there suffering with you. That's how God chose to reveal himself to us in Jesus going to the cross. His love for us, his care for us, that was first and foremost what God wanted us to understand. And that, I think, is how we are able to cast our concerns onto him when we rest in the truth that he cares, that he cares deeply, that he loves you deeply, and that whatever concern you have, God's power is greater than it, but God's love is greater than it also. 
and that God went through this plan of salvation to hold you, to embrace you. God cares. It may not always feel like it. The circumstances of your life may not reinforce that truth. But the message of Scripture over and over again is that whatever it is you are experiencing, God cares. And as Peter says, it's temporary. You might suffer for a little while, but eventually you will be restored. You will be established. God will redeem all that was lost. So embrace that God cares for you. And as best as you can, whatever concerns you carried into this room, relax. The more and more you're focused on your concerns, the harder it is to respond to the world that is actually right in front of you. The thing with anxiety, with concerns, when they can start to take over, they can start to make it harder for you to see the world that is actually there in front of you. And you respond to things from your past. You respond to things from the television. You respond to things that aren't actually rooted in the reality of your life. But the reality of your life is God cares. And when you're more concerned with that than with anything else in the world, you can then respond appropriately to this world. So as best as you can, I invite you to just relax in that truth that God cares for you, that God loves you, that God loved this world so much that he sent his only son to die for you. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you care for us. Help us to take whatever concerns we have, whatever anxieties we have, and to cast them on you. Help us to take the concerns that weigh us down and to lay them at your feet. And help us to Embrace, trust, and rest in the truth that you care, that you care deeply, that you care for us more than we could ever understand, more than we can ever comprehend, that your love is what you chose to introduce to us in Jesus. Help us to rest in that. Help us to trust in that. Help us to embrace that so that we would be responding to you rather than responding to the circumstances in our own lives, rather than responding to the manufactured concerns that aren't even real, the real concerns in our lives, Lord. Help us to be more concerned with you first and foremost. Help us to cast all of our anxieties on you, Lord, knowing that you care for us.
Give me 